Oh, look at that. Oh, the debris from the landslide has actually smashed through the back windows. It's four months since torrential rain caused chaos in Nelson, forcing hundreds of people from their homes, causing more than 200 slips. And the main road to Blenheim is still closed. The Prime Minister is calling the scale of flood damage across the top of the South Island devastating. A state of emergency has been declared in Nelson. More than 400 homes have been evacuated in Nelson. Residents are being warned that some may never get to return. This is Mum's house, yeah. She's lost everything. In just a few hours, these paddocks became rivers. Roads are closed, Collingwood is cut off. You can still see scars of that disaster everywhere in Nelson. Yeah, horrible smell. It's all mouldy and moss is growing on it. Yeah. Weeds. Yeah, and that smell of mud is Ooh. pretty putrid, isn't it? Hard to stomach. Ooh. Including this red-stickered house, only two years old, but now abandoned. This is the garage, and the back, back wall has just been smashed through. Yeah, you can see, look at those big rocks there through the door, and a whole bunch of positions tangled up that are absolutely covered in mud too. It's heartbreaking to see, isn't it? I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly, and today RNZ's Nelson reporter Samantha G takes the detail on a tour of some of Nelson's worst-hit places. And I talked to Mayor Nick Smith about the council's $60 million repair bill and how the city can guard against future disasters. There are going to be some of those landslides where the cost of their repair and making them safe uh, could be done theoretically but in cost terms is too much so Sam we're on State Highway 6 right in Nelson this is the road that goes around the edge of the water so we're looking at Tahunanui Beach and we're on Rocks Road, State Highway 6, which is, yeah, the main highway through Nelson. Right. And, <laughs> and yeah, the traffic is bad because this is the, as you say, the main road out, out of Nelson. And because people can't go through the, um, through the valley, the Rye Valley? Yes. Yeah. They have to, everybody has to come out this way if they want to get to Blenheim. Blenheim, yeah. Yes, so there's much more traffic heading in the direction out of Nelson through Richmond than there would otherwise be. There'd be right. some going the other way too. And right on this road is a really cute little house, but it is absolutely surrounded by mud. There's yes. been a really bad slip here. Yeah, so it's a, quite a well-known little red cottage. It was run down for a long time and then uh, done up. And yes, it's uh, been red stickered, unfortunately, in that rain event. And we can see a massive big slip behind it. You can see the mud visible in the house on the ranch slider, sort yeah. of that knee height there. And I've seen wow. photos of the, the family that were renting it at the time standing in there with really thick mud and unable to even salvage a lot of their belongings. We can't quite see it from where we are, but the slope up behind this house has little white marker pegs in the slip which are being used by geotechnical engineers as markers to keep track of how this land is moving. So would this be regarded as the, the highest risk part of Nelson? 
Uh, I'm not sure it could be called the highest risk, but I know it's a very specific kind of risk in that it's an active landslide. It's moving all the time by all accounts, but the rain events speed up the movement in different areas. Must cause all sorts of issues for the for landowners, for homeowners here. It causes issues particularly as well for the utilities, so for the stormwater the water network underneath these houses on the hill it's yeah poses particular issues it's also interesting because you know the land has come down in in a landslide but also we're right next to the sea so it must be very prone to sea level rise yes well sometimes on a king tide or when there's a storm this road can close because the sea is coming up and crashing over the road too we're heading away from the busy road now and up the hill to Tahunanui Main Slump, the largest urban landslide in the country. Almost a miracle, really, that there weren't houses that slipped down in this event or, you know, lives lost or injuries because there has been a lot of land movement. Yeah, so why is this hill constantly moving? What's the reason for it? So the Tahunanui slump exists because there's uncontrolled water sources within the hill, poor stormwater control and elevated groundwater levels. So there had been springs and ponds all over this hill before there was any development, and while some of them have been intercepted by the stormwater system, not all of them have been. So it's a combination of natural water sources and, and poor infrastructure. Yeah. Ah. They say the slump spans about 26 hectares across this hillside. Mm-hmm. 700 metres wide, includes about 120 houses, and in this most recent rain, 50 houses on in this slump zone were affected. Affected as in they had to... Had red or yellow stickers, um, had problems with their utilities, so the connection to stormwater or wastewater. And that obviously still hasn't all been fixed. What was the insurance claim for this event? So there was actually more widespread damage than just in Nelson, obviously, during that August rain. And the Insurance Council have said there were over 3,000 claims relating to that weather, totalling almost $50 million. But in Nelson, there were just over 1,200 claims, and they accounted for nearly half of that $50 million value, so it was $22 million. And that, that figure is expected to increase as more... Uh, of the work is done to work out you know, just where the damage is and, and what the scale of it is. You can kind of see where the walking track did come down. Honestly, it was a beautiful track. I actually lived in a house just on the road up there along further and, yeah, used to love walking down here. Mm. And now it's closed again. And, and, closed and again. no sign that it's going to be reopening anytime soon. No, I had asked the mayor... Whether there was a priority list for these repairs, and they haven't as yet publicly spoken about sort of what is the most important. I mean, don't get me wrong, there was uh, there've been some urgent repairs. The raw water pipeline from the Mai Tai Dam was a very high priority, and um, that was taken out in the flood. A 12 metre section of that pipe just washed away, and so it took 11 weeks of work to get that reinstated. But as for you know things like Days Track or some of these other parks and reserves still to be determined yeah. what the timeline for those repairs are. Is this still the talk of the town? Because it's just everywhere, isn't it? Yeah, for many people it's dominating their lives, dealing with insurance or navigating the process 
for remediating their land. And I think a lot of people are learning things that they have never had to know about. So, yeah, trying to make sense of what it means for them, what it means for their future, whether they want to stay living where they are or whether they want to consider moving elsewhere. Well, we've just driven down a really nice street of mostly old houses, Sam, which border on the, on the Maitai River. We're near the intersection of the Maitai Valley Road, so the river comes down here. It had breached its banks. The Maitai River has burst its banks again as heavy rain lashes Nelson for a third day. Residential streets have been scoured out and destroyed by floodwaters and slips have come down around homes. Some of these people would have been evacuated and these houses red or yellow stickered potentially. Oh, and you can see up the hill there. Gosh, that's a, that's a slip and a half, isn't it? Yes, so we're looking up towards Cleveland Terrace, which is a road that sort of snakes its way around the hillside. And we can see from where we're standing, can't we, there's um, cones, tape and a, and a big slip that's undermined the road up there. Uh, there were a number of trees in a vehicle, I think, that were stuck in one of those slips that had to be removed by helicopter because they were posing a risk to the houses below. The houses that were red stickered and yellow stickered are spread across the city too. They're not really localised in one area. So yeah, at the peak of the flood event, 24th of August, 104 red stickers, 82 yellow. And then I just asked for those figures again today. So there's now 26 red stickered homes and 81 yellow. The yellow means what? That it's not safe to inhabit unless some work is done to remediate whatever the issues are. And red means? You can't return. Ever? Well, no, the red sticker can be reassessed. So you can have a geotechnical engineer come and look at the issues. Yeah. Uh, And if that work can be remediated, then the sticker may be removed. You may be able to return home. And that has been the case for some people. Oh, gosh. Smell it. Yeah. Smells like a dump here, Sam, but it's not. What is it? No, so it's a site where a lot of the slip debris has been being trucked in and uh, stored temporarily. So this is any kind of dirt or debris that's come from the slips? Yeah, off people's properties, uh, washed in by the flood or brought down in slips during that rain event in August. So this is just a piece of council land, is it? So this was a park, a really big grassed area that people could bring their dogs through the trees there you can see it's actually what's called Miyazu Gardens yeah so an area of green space right on the Nelson Haven those piles of of mud are really high almost a story high aren't they and they have a very distinctive smell well while we're here just behind us up on this is Walter's Bluff yes and you can see a number of really bad slips up here and this a lot of this is very upmarket quite new housing yeah they're virtually all new homes and quite large builds and as you say there's that one big slip which is actually around opposite the Whakatumarae uh, where there was some retaining but the the land has come down over that retaining wall and then up further in the hills above above these builds you can see there's all these sort of little slips that have happened in localised areas. So every time it rains, these people must really worry. Yeah, there definitely has been talk in the community of that kind of rain anxiety. You know, when the rain starts, 
If it's not particularly heavy, it might not be too concerning, but the longer it goes, the more concerning it becomes, and then just wondering, you know, how much rain is it going to take for some of these slips to move again or for further damage to be caused? Mm, mm. Do people in the community feel like enough is being done to mitigate further damage, the threat? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it seemed so widespread and almost random in a way that areas that were affected by slope instability, save for places like Tahunanui where it's known to have slope instability issues, I have spoken to people that have felt like what they, the support they've had from the council has been adequate, but then other people obviously still left with questions if the, the, the land near their homes is safe or if it will continue to move. People who have, have built their beautiful houses here, would they have known that there, might, there was a slip risk? It's joked about in Nelson that if you don't have a flood overlay hazard on your property and your council files, then you've probably got a slip or instability overlay. My house personally has a, a slip hazard. Uh, lots of this town, the houses are built on hills, so slope instability is not an unknown risk. I suppose this recent flood of Ed has really just brought that to the fore because people may have been living in properties for a long time where they didn't experience any instability, but this rain has really, really yeah. caused it to, to show what, what can happen. Kind of an interesting perspective, isn't it? Because we're standing up on a hill uh, overlooking the bay and there's a building site right in front of us, and it feels like it's just... Cantilevered sh- out over the ocean. But uh, it's, it's what we're seeing around us, Sam, that's just quite disturbing, really. Yeah, so we're in amongst some sort of steep slopes, aren't we? And we've got some established houses around us, but then some new builds... Expensive new builds. Architecturally designed new builds, not standard homes, shall we say. But we can see slope instability behind these homes. Multiple little slips. What about insurance, though? Because you you say that your own house has got hazard overlay. I mean, what happens when you get insurance for it? It's since got that hazard overlay. It didn't have it when I first bought it. The first person, or the first company, I, sorry, I went to to get insurance said they weren't taking out any new policies in Nelson following the Christchurch earthquakes. So I suggested I see who the previous homeowners had their insurance with and continue that policy. I didn't end up having to do that. Um, but yeah, I've also since learned it's no guarantee, even if you get insurance, that's only, uh, you know, they can become aware of risks or hazards on your land and, and say, you know, we're not going to further insure that land. Just because you do get a policy with them isn't, doesn't mean that that policy will continue forever. Nick Smith's mayoral officers look out towards the slip-scarred hills east of the city. Uh, well, first of all, I'm going to say, Nick, you, you have inherited a lot since you've come into this job. I believe the first week in office you made the announcement that the cost of recovery from this huge flood would be 40 to $60 million, and you made the pledge to people of Nelson that you'd be going to the government for that. It has been a bit of a baptism of fire in that after the election celebrations began early on the Sunday morning uh, with the brief by the chief executive, not of only of the scale of the damage 
but also of the imminent closure of State Highway 6 through to Blenheim. Uh, that is the most important link for the Nelson region, obviously on to the Inter-Islander uh, and, the, and the Ferry and State Highway 1. Uh, that's added to the scale of the dramas and the, and, the, and the challenges for the new council coming in. Have you got any further on how you are going to pay for it, 40 to $60 million? I mean, I'm sure it's going to be more than that, isn't it? The council financial staff have described the annual plan budgeting process as the, the worst in decades for council. It makes the budget round uh, very hellish, very challenging, uh, and our council will be sweating over that for some months. It's all going to be bad news, it's just how bad. So how are you going to pay for it? Well, we've got um, uh, a job to do to persuade government uh, that, uh, look, that scale of burden is too much for the Nelson ratepayer. Uh, and the initial discussions I've had with government uh, make me optimistic that we'll get a share uh, of that funding from central government. We also have uh, insurance policies, um, but at best... Uh, that might uh, offset up to a third uh, of that cost. Uh, I still don't want to mislead ratepayers into the fact that the council and they are ultimately going to take a big hit from those August uh, storms and landslides. Uh, as well as that, of course, you've got that 40 to $60 million worth of damage to the council's infrastructure. Uh, there is of the order of $100 million of damage to private property, and some of those private property owners are having their own dramas and difficulties. And, of course, the government's got infrastructure. Uh, and if we just look at the state highway alone, uh, mm. is in, uh, many, many millions of dollars to fix that up. So I don't think there will be much change out of the August storm events when you add up local government, central government and private property owners, it'll be clocking up close to $200 million. Is there any part of Nelson that isn't safe from a slip, a flood or an earthquake? Oh, I think you need to be frank with people that there's some level of risk almost on every property. And people get very nervous when they see land information or limb reports that indicate that a site might be subject to, to um, liquefaction risk uh, or uh, sea level rise uh, or, for that matter, from landslide risk. Uh, I'm an a engineer by profession. Uh, I never expected when I put my name forward as mayor that having a PhD in landslides would be of any use. Uh, actually, it's turned out to be uh, quite useful, not in the sense that I'm practising engineering, but understanding the risks and being able to engage with the technical people around. We've got over 230 landslides uh, through the city. There are going to be some of those landslides where the cost of their repair and making them safe uh, could be done theoretically, but in cost terms is too much. The other part we need to be just quite open about is that the process of uh, assessing the geotechnical risk from each of these landslides uh, and then working out where it's economic and where it's not is going to be an exercise that is going to take us a good 12, 18 months. At the same time, though, you've got this report that's come out on all of the various at-risk areas around the country and it says that Nelson is one of those at-risk areas for sea level rise. So... 
you've kind of got, you know, the land sliding down the hill and the sea coming up. Is that a much bigger problem to deal with, even? Oh, I look, mean, look, sea level rise does make coastal communities uh, particularly vulnerable. It increases the liquefaction risk, it increases the flooding risk. Uh, we are facing the prospect of what was a 100-year event uh, is potentially a 10-year event. Uh, I'm of, certainly need to be honest with your community about those challenges, but you equally need to not overspook people that uh, are these things manageable? In most places, yes. Uh, in some areas, it will make areas too vulnerable, and we've got a pretty difficult conversation uh, to have uh, around adaption. So, so you're talking about managed retreat? Yes, there are, there, are, there are some areas of Nelson, as there are areas around New Zealand, where managed retreat uh, needs to be an option on the table, and that is both relevant to the question of landslide risk as, as well as sea level rise risk. Uh, the Tahuna Nui main slump mm. covers some hundreds of properties. That area is the largest urban landslide anywhere in New Zealand. Uh, it's been moving for 800 years. It's likely to be moving for the next 800 years. That does not mean all of those hundreds of properties can't be lived in. There are lots of risks that you manage, uh, but it, I would not be at all surprised that there are some particular areas on the Tahunanui slump that are so vulnerable that the right approach is not to allow the homes to be repaired uh, and for those areas to effectively have managed retreat. But equally, I'm confident it is a small number of properties for the bulk of the properties in Tahuna, both the streets, the infrastructure and the homes are repairable. Uh, on the conversation around managed retreat and adaption to sea level rise and those changes that are likely over 50 to 80 years, it's not going to be a single conversation. It's going to be an ongoing conversation that happens over that time, nor should we understate the level of uncertainty uh, that there is in exactly the way in which that's going to pan out. The International Panel on Climate Change does give us some guidance as to how scenarios may play out, uh, but we don't know mm. the extent to which the global community is going to be successful in making the transition to renewable energy, to getting emissions down, and that has quite a marked effect on whether Nelson's going to be experiencing you know, sea level rise of half a metre or a metre or more. That's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. The detail is public interest journalism funded through NZ On Air and produced by Newsroom for RNZ. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. Today's episode was engineered by Rangi Poak and produced by Sarah Robson. Bonnie Harrison is our associate producer. And thanks to Sam G and Nick Smith. Kakite. Ka